Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes graphic descriptions of abuse. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. He's a handsome stranger with a charming smile and a way of making a young girl feel very safe in a world full of confusing hormones and teenage drama. Her mother would never approve of her actions. Smart young girls didn't flirt with boys, let alone date them. But what mother doesn't know won't hurt her. The young girl sneaks out to a school dance to be with her handsome prince, the boy who can rescue her from her dull life. And rescue her, he does, spinning her so fast that he carries her away to a place deeper, darker, and hotter than she ever imagined. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Listen to more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Today, we examine a legend that started in Mexico in the 18th century and has continued to persist, the devil at the dance. Although the location has moved from small town dances to discos, clubs, and even high school semi-formals, the fear has remained the same. A seductive stranger pulls a girl into his world, only to carry her down to hell. While some parts of the story have changed over time and cultures, the key elements of The Devil at the Dance are always the same. There's a concerned parent worried about the fate of their child's eternal soul, and a young girl who doesn't take these warnings to heart, a handsome boy disarms her, and she spends the night in his arms, unaware of how the evening will end. The story is mainly told by parents to their children, a warning of what happens when you disobey your elders and tempt fate. It's a reminder that no one can ever know who is really hiding behind the veneer of civility. There are few things as powerful as a teenage girl who knows what she wants, but a young and highly hormonal mind is an easy thing to manipulate. Mama said the world was a form of hell. God had put the devil on earth to tempt his children to be their worst selves. When they gave in, he got more souls for his infernal army. 
a wall of writhing, wailing bodies, burning and snarling in an eternal abyss. The images tore through her mind night and day, but her mother added detail after detail, day by day, year by year. They avoided fast food, television, popular music, video games, and sugar. When she was younger, she tried to ask about why they had to avoid temptation completely, rather than being strong enough to withstand it. Mama didn't have an answer for that. She told them the Lord didn't want questions, so Leah had stopped asking them. Even if it meant she couldn't make friends at the roller rink or the arcade. Even if it meant she never knew why their father had left them. Leah's mother absolutely hated the internet. But when Leah argued it was for school, she was forced to give in. She opted for the least efficient option possible. If Leah was even going to contemplate breaking the parental controls, she would be doing it at dial-up speeds. Mama was very strict about her no-social-media policy. She said that there wasn't anyone Leah needed to talk to but God. Even so... Leah had a secret friend. Leah had had to beg for years to get a cell phone. And even then, her mother had never allowed a phone plan or even a SIM card. This took, for emergencies only, to a whole new level, since the only number it could call was 911. She seemed to be stuck in the Stone Age forever. Then she realized the phone could connect to Wi-Fi. Leah had to download a message app for a school project, and with it came constant requests from other people to be her friend. Maybe there was a little bit of the devil in her, because she couldn't resist the urge to talk to people. Or, more specifically, one person. His name was Tommy. She didn't know how he found her on the app, but they'd been sending each other little messages every now and then. He wasn't freaked out when she talked about her mother. He even knew a bit of the Bible. His favorite verse was from the Gospel of Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. It was not one of the verses Leah had memorized. When she asked him what it was, he merely grinned. He was new in school and a grade above her, so she had little hope of running into him in the halls, thanks to the sheer mass of the student body. She'd heard the rumors, though. He was supposed to be dreadfully handsome, and he wasn't interested in dating. Still, each class bell was a chance for her to scout the hallways for some sign of him. She dreamed of bumping into him, both of their books clattering to the floor, him apologizing profusely, her looking up, and, well, that would be the moment they knew. Tommy's messages grew longer, and Leah started to plan her day around them. He always messaged her between classes, and then after dinner, when he knew she'd be studying. She couldn't risk him trying to talk to her when her mama was around. She got insecure sometimes, but he always reassured her. He wanted to see her, to date her. Leah told him about the rumors that he didn't date. Tommy said that it was just his polite excuse when he wasn't interested. But he was very interested in her. He wanted her. There was a dance coming up at school. He expected that she would be going. She explained that her mother would never allow that. There was to be no dancing at all, let alone anywhere that a boy might be. 
17 was just too young of an age to date. Did she really believe that? He asked. There was only one question mark, but she couldn't help feel the full weight of his confusion. Did she believe that? She had filled out her college applications this year. She'd even contemplated going to a secular school, knowing her mother would scream at her if she knew. Or worse, Leah desperately wanted to dance with Tommy. At this point, she'd even settle for seeing his face. So she did something reckless. She told him how she felt. He felt the same. Even better than that, he had a plan. Tommy would take care of all the logistics. She would just have to do two things. The first was to find a dress for the dance, something that matched the light green of her eyes. The second was to listen to his instructions when the time came. Leah agreed, without giving the requests a second thought. She started counting down the days until the dance. She found a dress in a thrift shop a few blocks from the school. Half of its appeal was how easily it rolled up to fit in her backpack, away from the prying eyes of her mother. But Tommy still hadn't given her any other instructions. Mama was growing suspicious. She pulled Leah into the kitchen one morning and asked what had changed. They didn't talk at breakfast anymore. They didn't sit and have tea and milk at night. The girl had grown distant from her mother, and that was a dangerous thing in this world of sin. Fire always waited just below. Leah said that she was just strengthening her relationship to God, studying the Bible in her room. Her mother had nothing to worry about. Pain flashed, bright and angry. Her mother was holding her wrist tightly, twisting the skin. Family is part of God, her mother told her. Leah agreed. Her mother kept gripping her arm. Leah asked her mother to stop, but she didn't seem to hear her. She started speaking as though the devil were beside them. She ordered him to be cast off of their house. When nothing happened, she grasped Leah's other arm and started shaking her. The world blurred as her mother came rushing towards her. Back and forth she went, in and out of focus. Leah screamed for her to stop, but the world just oscillated faster around her. It came to a sudden stop, and Leah fell to the floor. Her mother stepped over her, heading towards the kitchen. She called over her shoulder for Leah not to dawdle or she'd be late for school. Leah picked herself up. She went through her morning routine. She didn't tell anyone what had happened. Bruises formed on her wrists like strange purple bracelets or shackles. There were no messages from Tommy waiting for her when she sat down in homeroom. She kept checking her phone as the clock ticked by. Leah wanted time to stop. She didn't want to go home anymore. Finally, towards the end of the day, Tommy sent her a message. He wanted her to check her locker. She made an excuse in class and crept quietly to the junior row of lockers. Inside was a thermos and a note. It said in smooth red handwriting, for your mother, from you know who. She needed more from him. He messaged that it was a solution of juice and melatonin. She could give it to her mother before the dance tomorrow. 
her mother would fall into a peaceful sleep and Leah could sneak out. Leah was nervous. Mama would be furious if she ever found out what Leah had done. But she needed to be free of her mama's watchful eye tonight. She had prayed on it and everything. She looked up melatonin on the internet. When she was satisfied that it wasn't a street drug or some form of sleep-inducing alcohol, she told Tommy that she would do it. Her mother was more than pleasant to her when she came home from school that afternoon. As night fast approached, Leah felt doubt closing in on her. She took unsteady steps toward the living room, her hands sweaty as she carried the thermos. Her mother asked for tea, her eyes never leaving the Bible she was reading. Leah worried that speaking would give away how nervous she was. Instead, she kept silent, waiting, holding out the thermos like a candle in the darkness. Her mother took it from her hands. Leah stood behind the couch as her mother unscrewed the top and took a long sip. Her mother's throat muscles spasmed. She coughed and sputtered, bringing her hands to her neck. Leah didn't know what to do. She raced to her mother's side and held her hand. Her mother clawed at Leah's skin. Her chest was heaving now, gasping desperately for air. Leah tried to harness her CPR training and slapped her mother on the back. It wasn't helping. She told her mother that she'd call 911. She stood in the kitchen, dialing the number. Her mother's squeaks of protest were loud in her ears. They hadn't visited a doctor in years. Her mother didn't trust them. Before the operator picked up, Leah heard the thud of a body hitting the floor in the other room. She hung up the phone. Her mother's skin was tinged with blue. Scratch marks dotted her throat. But the strangest thing about it all was her mother's face. Leah was used to seeing her mother's features twisted in righteous fury and anger. Seeing her so still was unsettling. A wash of sensations hit her. Confusion, anxiety, tension. But not one of them was grief. Perhaps she was already on her way to hell. Perhaps she didn't care. She was free. She chastised herself. What a horrible thing to think. Her phone vibrated in her pocket. Tommy was desperate to see her. She could feel shock setting in. He asked her what was wrong. She couldn't find the words to type. All this for one night out. A concealed dress, a clandestine text chain. Had it been worth it? Her phone buzzed again. Come out, Leah, Tommy said. Tonight is for you. Unconsciously, she nodded, even though he couldn't see her. She didn't have feelings yet. She barely let herself have feelings over the course of her 17-year life. Her lips set. Leah decided to do what she always had. She followed orders. She went to the dance. Up next, Leah has an unforgettable night. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Tommy was standing under the spotlight. She knew it was him, but she couldn't explain why. He was beautiful, like an angel. Strong cheekbones, kind eyes, and the floppy hair of a hopeless teenage boy. He smiled at her, and she wanted to run to him. But a heaviness sat in her chest, remembering her mother lying on the kitchen floor. She just wanted one night of normalcy before calling the police. One night before it all fell apart. He held her tightly, smelling of wood smoke and fir trees. They swayed back and forth to the music. He asked if everything went according to plan. Leah froze. She stammered out a no. Her mother must have been allergic to the juice. She had clutched at her throat and fallen unconscious. She might have even died. Tommy pulled away from her, smiling. He told her that it wasn't the juice that killed her. It was the drain cleaner mixed with it. Leah tried to pull away from him, but Tommy pressed down on the bruises around her wrist. He told her that some deep, dark part of herself had always wanted this. She had true freedom now. Leah protested. Her mother wasn't always nice, but that was because she cared too much about the sanctity of their souls. Tommy sighed. Leah lacked his vision, which was a shame considering their fascinating similarities. She had an unnatural thirst for violence and anger. She was now going to be a captain in Satan's army. His words weren't making sense. No one talked that way except her mother. Had she tried to trick Leah? Was this a test? Tommy let go of one of her wrists and patted her on the head. His eyes shifted from clear blue to boiling red. Flames danced where his pupils should have been. Her skin started to heat beneath his hands. Leah's flesh was melting from her bones. She screamed for someone to help her. In front of her eyes, her skin turned back to normal. The other kids in the gym were staring. He pulled her closer and stroked her hair. Tommy's eyes were blue as the ocean again. His voice was soft and sweet, soothing. He asked her to dance with him. Please. They would call 911 as soon as their dance was over. It had been an accident. Harmful if ingested could mean anything. He thought it wouldn't be anything too bad. Just enough for her to realize that Leah had power too. Leah's head was spinning. He was being sweet, like he had for months. His arms weren't gripping her tightly anymore. Maybe they hadn't gripped her at all. She was in shock. She nodded her head to him. He smiled at her, like he had when she first arrived. It had all been a misunderstanding. He spun her around the dance floor, and she couldn't hold in her laughter. She felt lighter than she had in ages. Happy. 
His spins grew faster, and the world tilted in front of her eyes. It was too much. All of a sudden, she wasn't dancing in his arms. She was being shaken by her mother again. Her mother's mouth opened wide. Her teeth had been sharpened to points. She threw her head towards Leah, trying to bite down on her flesh. Leah stopped moving her feet, but the rest of her body still spun wildly as she tried to evade her mother's teeth. Her mother's screaming face became Tommy's grinning one. The world kept spinning. She asked him to stop. He told her that he couldn't do that. He never did anything he didn't want to. Leah felt her stomach clench and twist. Her neck was sore from the jerking motion. She couldn't get her eyes to focus on anything. Her flesh started to heat again. The tops of her arms were bright red and blistering. She screamed in pain. She thought that she saw a flash of her mother over Tommy's shoulders, but it was gone in an instant. Leah cried for help. They were surrounded by people. Someone should be stopping them. Leah felt herself sinking. She looked down to the ground, swirling with Tommy's movements. The floor was cracking and rolling, just like the skin on her arms. Drips of her melted face dropped to the glossy wood. They were falling now, through the foundation of the school, and down, 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 dirt caved in. Roaches and spiders crept up and down her neck. She jerked to keep them away from her, but more bugs were coming. Her face felt hot. Sweat and dirt filled her eyes until she couldn't see anymore. Her skin was wet. She hoped it wasn't more of her flesh falling off the bone. More creatures skidded across her legs. She could feel her head getting lighter, as if she was leaving pieces of it behind. She asked Tommy why he was doing this. She was a good kid. It was a mistake. One mistake. Tommy laughed at her. His voice was far deeper than it should have been. This wasn't punishment for her. He didn't care if she lived or died. Not really. This was to prove a point about goodness with the grumpy man upstairs. How hard it was to grab hold of morality and how easy it was to watch it slip away. This was her mother's doing, he said. She built the laws by which they were judged. So, Leah had to die. It was a pity, really, but nothing to be done about it. He told her to open her eyes. Tommy was gone. The first thing she noticed were the long black wings with jagged edges protruding from his back. The feathers were coarse and hard against what remained of her skin. The feathers from his feet felt like razor wire against her. He had three heads. One resembled a crocodile, another a lion. The one to the right was the closest to Tommy. He had a sharp, angular face. His lips curled in perpetual disgust. His skin was a shimmering red topaz. She'd read about him, feared him all her life. She could not speak his name. So he spoke it for her. 
The Devil at the Dance has its origins in Mexico. Gaining popularity in the 1700s, the legend was passed around orally as a warning from parents. It wasn't until 1837 when the legend was first written down by a French-Canadian storyteller. While these cultures come from very different regions and backgrounds, they have one shared experience, contact with Catholic missionaries. E. Michael Madrid notes that stories involving the devil appearing to local townsfolk made their way to Mexico through imperialist occupation and colonialism. Adherence to religious tenets was tied deeply into how a family should work and govern itself. It was a means of keeping the status quo, which gave storytellers plenty to work with when it came to scares and narrative tension. While the first tales appeared to be mocking people for their adherence to Catholicism, these stories quickly took on more political overtones. Since the Western notion of the devil was introduced to Latin America through missionaries, the devil himself became an oppressor, a smooth-talking white man who would lead someone to their own destruction. Madrid mentions that many parents began to use the devil as a sort of boogeyman, someone who inspires children to do good because they feared the consequences of a run-in with El Diablo. The Devil at the Dance speaks specifically to the fears that many Latinx parents had when it came to letting their children go to dances in the 18th and 19th century. Many parents viewed these spaces as magnets for fights and promiscuous behavior. The legend was a way of trying to provide a tangible consequence for children that might be tempted to move beyond the boundaries set by their families and communities. No matter the iteration, it's the young woman who bears the brunt of the punishment. In some versions, she's dragged down to hell, but in others, she remains on earth, bearing emotional wounds from the encounter. She might continue to see him in mirrors, go insane, or carry a disfiguring scar from that night. It's easy to see how some of the punishment aspects of the story can also tie directly into warnings for young girls about the dangers of sex. The man is able to get away, but she is the one who carries the physical and psychological trauma of the action with her. In Catholicism, Satan and his minions are bound by several clear rules. The most important is the most troubling. They cannot enter unless they are invited in. But demons are crafty. Sure, they make bargains with figures like Dr. Faustus or blues musician Robert Johnson, but the terms are hardly ever that clear. You often won't see the offer coming. A Ouija board at the toy store, a rock song mocking God. You can open yourself up to Satan by disrespecting your parents, skipping service, or of course, having premarital sex. It seems easy enough to avoid, until you remember all the sin out there in the world, all the little rules we tell ourselves we don't have to follow, just this once. But once the devil catches hold of you, he never lets you go. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new haunted place. 
You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite ParCast originals, like Haunted Places, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Carrie Murphy, production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler, additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Richet. I'm Greg Paulson.